Welcome to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. This is Yvette Bethel, and I am excited to welcome you to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Evolve challenges traditional leadership paradigms and explores modern leadership models providing ideas you can use to transform your culture. We focus on leadership through an ecosystem-based lens of interconnectivity, flow, and balance, exploring ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. Our topic for this episode is corporate communication strategies of the future. And to explore this topic with us is consultant, speaker, and corporate communications expert, Rick Cram. Rick has consulted for hundreds of companies and facilitated over 1,000 conferences. That's a lot. <laughs> conferences, meetings, workshops, and engagement events for his clients, employees, and customers. After working on all sides of the business, Rick founded Full Sail Strategic Communications, providing Fortune 1000 companies and small businesses alike with comprehensive strategic and creative marketing and communication services. Since 2011, he's been serving clients throughout North America under his brand, Rick Cram. Plan to be your best. Hello, Rick, <laughs> and welcome to Evolve. Yvette, great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Now, corporate communications, as I told you earlier, is one of my favorite topics. And so um, one of the things that I'm curious about is, you know, despite your various, uh, your variety of kinds of interests in corporate work, communications is something that's important to you. And I'm curious about how you got on this path to corporate communications. It was a path that actually began pretty much when I was a teenager, maybe even before. I was really fascinated with the communications between a, a company and its employees and customers. Uh, communications in general between people, uh, no matter what the relationships are. And a lot of that got kicked off because of what I was experiencing through seeing my father's profession. He was an executive on Madison Avenue back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, had clients with, um, uh, he worked for the first, uh, J. Walter Thompson, I think 17 or 18 years with them, and then NWR. He handled the advertising for Rolex watches, one of the eight vitamins, eventually with De Beers Diamonds and AT&T. Oh, interesting. Once in a while, I got into uh, sit in on some of the lunch planning meetings he'd have with his team. Just fascinated, sort of with an, an objective sociology minor kind of major minor in school approach to uh, observing it, uh, analyzing it, and seeing how through through communications how we can have a real positive impact, uh, not just the success of the company, but on the lives of the employees and and even the customers and and stakeholders. So it, it's a it's a way that has a 
foundational, fundamental, um, positive effect if it's done well and done right. You um, experienced a football injury and uh, you've had so many <laughs> surgeries and you, you manage pain all the time. And I'm curious about how you, what you learned from that and, and how does that apply to what you know about communication? Um, thank, thank you, Yvette. That's a powerful question. And <laughs> by the numbers, it's one football injury, seven surgeries so far, uh, 13 incisions, and uh, well over 35 years of dealing with chronic pain and needing to rebuild my legs several times over. And I'm dealing with long-term uh, complications from the latest surgery, so it's ongoing. And my first answer to your question is this. At the crux of the entire experience, communication is so key in, the, in these ways. It, it's what's going on inside of my own self, my own mind, my own thoughts, what I'm communicating with myself. It makes a difference managing the pain and all that I've experienced by what I communicate to others. Right. Communication is so important in terms of what I say to others in this way. For example, someone recently asked me how I'm doing, and I gave him an honest answer. It's a good friend of mine, but I said at the end of my comment, I don't mean to sound, I hope I'm not sounding as if I'm complaining, because I picked my words carefully so I don't complain, and he said, I don't hear any complaining at all. And so it, it matters what's going on inside my, what I'm communicating internally, what I'm communicating externally. And I, I will dare say uh, that it, it's very important what others communicate, what I hear others communicate to me. And some people, for example, know how to be encouraging and empathetic. Some people shy away from dealing with any kind of, uh, when someone is uncomfortable in, in any kind of pain, they don't know what to say and so forth. So it, it's the whole experience, 40 plus years now, has been an exercise that in how people communicate for whatever challenge they're dealing with and what the interactivity is with, with others. A lot of the same lessons actually can fully apply and do apply to, to businesses and uh, whether it's a for-profit or non-profit. One way to perhaps summarize this point is that it's a whole person experience to uh, go through what I, what I am going through and what I have gone through. And similarly, especially now, we've, after a year and a half, coming close to two years of dealing with a pandemic, which has created chronic stress, it's a whole person experience. And organizational leaders can better communicate when they understand that and apply some strategies for their internal and external audiences, that there's a whole person experience that's always been taking place, but now during uniquely challenging times. Powerful, Rick. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. We're talking about corporate communications and, and we want everybody to, you know, as you talk about it, to understand it from the same perspective. So from your experience, what exactly is corporate communications and what would a, strat a corporate communication strategy be? Corporate communications is a strategic plan to grow and advance relationships inside and outside an organization 
to effectively compete in the marketplace. And what that really means is effective listening to the marketplace internally and outside, listening and using what you learn to grow and advance those relationships in the context of a mission, a vision, and certain objectives, and even the brand. So in the context of all of that, to have a set of strategies, a plan that helps advance the success of the organization together. Now, a lot of organizations um, include communication in the business strategy, but they don't necessarily have a separate plan for just corporate communications. What, why should they have a separate plan for that? When it comes to, I mean, there are three pillars of effective communications and even branding. One is that it's credible, the brand positioning as well as the messaging is credible, the second pillar, if you will, is it's relevant. And third, it's differentiating. Each one of those legs, credibility, relevance, and differentiating are all important. If you took one of the legs away, the, the table is not going to stand. And the, a corporate communications plan needs to apply that both externally and internally so that all the, all the communication messages all the relationships are being built on the same foundation. Here's an example. There was a bank that came to us and needed some work on addressing the brand issue and the communications. They said it's floundering, it's not growing at all. We're not sure if it's positioned right. We're hearing mixed signals from our, our, our customer base. So one of the things that we did, we started the exercise to work with them over the course of several months to address this. And we asked, first inside the organization from the top of the uh, management team to the branch management level. So what is this organization? And virtually everyone had a different answer. No two people had the same answer. And that's a red flag that is symptomatic of a company that has not done what they know they now need to do. But it was the red flag that said, all right, the communications outside and inside and the positioning in that context of, of again, the, the vision and mission for the organization and the brand, uh, it needs a lot of work. As you talk about strategies, uh, it caused me to think about what are some of the deficiencies that you see in organizations? Like, why would they call you? Um, what, what's going on within that would be a trend? You know, you see it in many different organizations. It's not enough listening and using what you hear from your constituencies effectively. There was uh, a nonprofit organization that I, I've helped out off and on over the years, and they were ma making sweeping changes, but they didn't listen to people inside the organization nearly enough. And when they started to implement the changes, they were losing people in very practical ways. It was as if a train had left the station without the, all the teams on board the train. They got left on the platform. They yeah. had to back up the train yeah. into the station, redo work, and, and in a way, uh, mend some fences and, and do what they should have done in the, in the first place. And another example, one quick example is there's a hospital 
So Tufts New England Medical Center came to us with the challenge of saying that no one knows who they are in the marketplace and they were on the verge of failing. So we worked with them to basically do two things using communication strategies. One is to re-anchor themselves in their true identity. So we re-anchored them, reaffirmed their identity and communicated that along with telling their success stories. And I'd love to come back to this topic in particular because we could do a deep dive in the importance of telling success stories. But the work ended up bringing them to a point where they saw double digit increases in favorability. The referring physicians started referring patients back to them. They ended up being in this highly competitive uh, healthcare marketplace, the only hospital running in the black for a period of time. What did they do internally uh, to help them get there? Uh, the first thing they did, uh, similar to a couple of other examples, they listened. They, they listened to the marketplace. They listened to their employees. They listened to the doctors. They listened to, certainly, it starts at the top and they listen down, which interestingly is a lot of the people who come to my programs or looking for my services, there, there isn't enough organizational listening going on. It's, it's something that I really hope changes. But the, they, they listened and they let everyone know that they did list and, and they showed how we're using what we've heard, what they've heard to address the challenges at hand. Now, I just uh, facilitated a, a survey and uh, we tested top-down communication versus bottom-up. And the top-down rated around 70% and the bottom-up was like 30% in terms of effectiveness. You know, that tends to be consistent within organizations where the structures are not there because really they're not interested in listening, they're just interested in telling. Yes, yes. The culture, uh, informs what the structure looks like. That happens on an organizational basis. It happens also on a per very personal one-to-one -one basis. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, Eastern Bank brought me in to do a full day plan to be your best workshop. And uh, about halfway through, when we were working on the listen strategy, L stands for listen. And it's a very in-depth approach to what to listen for and how to use what you hear. This one, one, one of the 50 managers there said, when, when someone else is talking to me, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say. I'm not thinking about what I'm hearing. And interestingly, there is a, another um, team of 50 consultants in the healthcare field down in New York, and this company brought me in to do a two-day program for them. And this is a set of managers that had not met together as an organization for five or more years. And they, because of changes in the marketplace, they were on the verge of overnight losing at least 60% of their business. The upper management had some changes that they wanted to implement. And they said, Rick, we want you to come in and do this. We want to tell everybody what we're going to change. And then we want you to do your program and get people to buy into it. I, I thankfully, after they listened to me, we flipped that around. We spent the entire first day listening to all the managers. Again, they hadn't been together for so many years. There were relationships that were frayed. There were different departments that really weren't collaborating and so forth. They hadn't been heard in years. 
So in the course of that first day, we listened to them. And in day two, we said, here's what we're hearing. Here are the changes that we're going to be implementing. They ended up going on to not losing a single piece of their, their business and going on a future of thriving like they hadn't seen before because of the way we approached it and the stronger relationships that were instilled during that time together. Oh, yes, that's powerful. I'm thinking about communication uh, along the timeline, a timeline. Like 10 years ago, communication would have looked like something. Today, you said we need more listening. And then in the future, we're going to need something else. Now, compared to the past, comparing the present and the past, where what was the past like? And then comparing the present and the future, what, what will we need going forward? First of all, one of the things that we've seen in the past 10 plus years is so many more options, media options or strategy options for how organizations can communicate. So, and especially during the course of the pandemic with so many more people working from home, it's changed that dynamic. So there are many more options, but not everyone can do what, at least not yet, and hopefully we'll get back to this, being able to be face-to-face and having shared experiences together within the organization, as well as even outside the organization. And, and here's one of the reasons why. Now, if I may, plan to be your best includes three different categories of strategies. The first is planning and leadership strategy. The second is brainstorming and decision-making. And the third are communication strategies. Of the communication strategies, there are seven of them. One of them is case studies. And basically it means this, when you share a success story or experience a success story, it becomes one of the single most powerful motivators for people to take positive action, whether it's just deciding to uh, commit to a, a corporate culture, a corporate change, if it means committing to, are I going to try a product? Uh, I had the opportunity to work for several years with Canada's largest juice manufacturer. And the success of bringing two of their brands into the U.S. really rested on a form of case studies. And it was a sampling program, a juice sampling program among, among uh, moms and kids. And it ended up being truly the most significant reason for their success and being able to overtake two of the top brands here in the U.S. or for one of the juices in particular. A case study can be an experience. It can be telling a success story similar to what we did for Tufts Medical Center. But the success stories of what patients were experiencing coming into the hospital and what how they were cared for and now they're thriving. They can be done in a number of ways. Um, this is a long way of getting around to saying this. One of the things that we're ch challenged with is how to, in, the, in this new dynamic of the marketplace between more media options, more strategy options, but people aren't getting together as often, how do you create those case studies of shared experiences that we as humans really rely on and organizations, I believe, rely on to be able to be successful? And that's, that's my first approach to, to answering that. Does that make sense? 
Oh, definitely. Now, from, that gives me some insight into the past and the present. So where are we headed? What's the future of all of this? It's knowing how to use the information that you get from listening to the marketplace. Be more strategic, basically, with what you're, you're gleaning in the course of doing market research, what, in whatever form it takes place, whether it's a focus group or an online survey. The, the more inf- there's, there's going to be an abundance of more information in, and capability to use more information from a communication standpoint. One, one specific uh, thought on this. If you look at any given marketplace, especially the major marketplaces, I've spent time in Chicago, I'm from the Metro New York area, I'm in Boston, I've been in DC, uh, and I've experienced this firsthand, but also it applies in marketing and communications. In, in different areas of each one of those major markets, there are very different segments of the, of the audience. There are differences, not just in demographics, that, that's easy, but differences in terms of how people make decisions, who they'll listen to. Someone on, on one side of Chicago, the South side, is going to go about making decisions in a somewhat different way than people from the North side of Chicago. I had a chance to work with an energy company here in the Boston area, and we spent a considerable amount of time understanding, helping them understand and how to communicate in different areas the North Shore of Boston, Metro West and the South Shore, or people in different parts of downtown uh, or the uh, rural metro areas of, of Boston, and the importance of how to, com- how to appro- apply those differences in their communication strategies. There's a lot to look at there. What are some of the other leadership competencies around corporate communications, both internal, interpersonal, and, uh, you know, corporate structures? Excellent question. Two things right off the bat. Okay. Uh, A real ability to plan. Uh, During during one particular conference, someone said, a very senior executive, he said, this is all well and good, but I don't have time to plan. And there were about a hundred other people in the room and you just feel everyone uh, shift in their chair, a few chuckles here and there. But there are real challenges that we're facing that do inhibit people from taking time to plan. And there are consequences that come with both positive consequences that come with planning and negative consequences that come from not planning. I, I see it. I've experienced, I've had clients that I've worked with for years who prefer to just shoot from the hip and the results show the people and the organizations who uh, plan and plan to be their best are the most successful. Um, It it leads to literally double digit growth or even triple digit growth, achieving goals or even be going beyond the goals that you've set and seeing better than expected results. Those who don't do the planning, suffer the consequences of not seeing their goals achieved or shooting far short of it. I've seen companies who are shooting from the hip who will um, spend millions of dollars only to retract what, they're, what they've tried to do. Planning, I think, is even more important now than ever before, taking the time to do it. That's, that's one of my, fir- my first answers to that question. Uh, does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. What's the second one? I'm, I'm interested. 
how to facilitate. How to facilitate meetings, especially since meetings are taking place virtually so much more and will be for, I think, the foreseeable future. And in the course of facilitating, there are a set of skills that a lot of people would be well served to embrace and apply uh, because there's mainly there's so much good that can come from it and with without the a real depth of experience in facilitating you're running the risk and i do see this happening where people will leaders will uh, not see the all the results that they're hoping to see uh, sometimes some of the facilitation skills need to focus on understanding not only the personality types of people who are you're working with, but how to use that information. If you look at four basic communication or uh, personality types, there are four opportunities to strengthen your relationship with them based on their personality type language. And, how, and that's a communications opportunity. It's a communications challenge. Interesting. There's something that I notice with corporate communications when uh, they receive information, because you have to listen and collect data and information. And then the lens that they put it through is so filled with bias that, uh, you know, the way that the solution doesn't really match, you know, what it is that's needed. So could you speak to that or your experience of that? Uh, two experiences. One I see is very common, and that is for uh, leaders, not just leaders, but I think it's a human nature uh, quality where we can be quick to, no matter what we're hearing, we can do like in the song by Simon and Garfunkel. I think the song was The Boxer. And the, there's a particular phrase, the lyrics go, the man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. We often will hear whatever, but we will think, all right, this is what I'm going to project. And it might not, right. not going to be a reflection of what the marketplace might be saying. It might not be a reflection of what is actually being communicated internally. So people can be, and I, this is human nature. Uh, we can be quick to project our own thoughts. So I think, I think this is the message that's going to work. And how many times have we all seen people suggest a message or put something out in it, and it's not relevant to the audience, for example? Yeah. Well, that, that's so what you're saying then, it sounds like they need to listen with empathy. They need to connect with the people that they're listening to so that they can hear and, and, and interpret and process exactly what they mean, as opposed to just listening for as a checklist exercise. So, so true. That, you, that's wonderfully said. That's exactly what and that's part of and parcel of what it means to lead with a whole person approach. We, we are people who naturally were hardwired to react emotionally to everything and then rationalize our emotional reactions. Understanding that can open doors of opportunity, especially for leaders who are responsible for engaging and motivating and, and building trust-based relationships with people inside and outside an organization. In building a, an internal or external communications plan, what would be some of the components that they should include without giving away all your proprietary secrets? 
I'm actually, thank you very much. This is a great question and I, I'll pour it all out uh, because my, my, my mission, my purpose is to help equip people to plan to be their best and so I can help them be more successful and achieve their goals. That's my, my purpose. Okay, great. The P stands for prepare. It's the, the plan and best are acronyms for the eight planning and leadership strategies. When it comes to preparing, I think it was um, Miguel de Cervantes, the author of Don Quixote, who said, to be prepared is half the victory. There's a direct correlation between how we all answer the question, I, I am your identity and mm -hmm. I can. What it, what it means to say I am will be revealed in what you can do. And one of the reasons why I think this is especially important today is that given how change has challenged everything, whether we look at the pandemic or market conditions or something much more specific to um, you and your organizations, is, is this. There's these challenges that have been chronic, have shaken the sense of identity. And, and it's, it's something that I see in almost every organization that comes to me, that they've got issues. But this is not just a matter of an organization's identity. People's own singular sense of self have also been shaken. There are a number of, for example, some company owners have recently said over the past year or so, I don't know who I am anymore. There's there so much upheaval in their lives or even in their organizations that they themselves have lost a sense of themselves. So to do the work of planning begins with anchoring in understanding who you are, as well as understanding who you, everyone is in your set of constituents, again, inside an organization and outside. So there is a process. There is a very specific step-by-step -step approach to going through a planning, but that's where I believe now more than ever, it needs to start there. Don't know who you are as an individual or as, or as an organization. The rest of the planning process is going to be far less than you hope and want and need it to be. It's a foundational anchor point or building block, if you will, to achieving what you want, want to achieve. Powerful. Thank, thanks, very nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> Pain, no matter what, whether it's uh, physical, emotional or stress, whatever, it affects your sense of self. But, and it's just simply, uh, again, part of how we're hardwired, but the good news is that there's a plan for that. Yeah. There's always, there's always a way to either manage it or find a way out. There are always choices. One of the things I've heard so much in the past couple of years is, uh, I don't know how to do blank. It's, it's actually been striking. Business leaders have said it. I don't know how to do blank. Now, another part of the planning process that is really key is this, not to go it alone. Through collaborating with other people that we find out uh, both two things, basically, how to do planning, but also revealing within yourself that actually you know how. Sometimes it's, it's more the process that matters. The, uh, before I 
had my sixth knee operation, a total knee replacement. I went to one of my clients. It was a hospital, New England Baptist Hospital, fantastic hospital. I've had a few of my surgeries there. And this time I went over there and went into a conference room with a long table, about 20 people around it. But it was not to visit with my client. It was to go through a little orientation meeting, about an hour-long orientation meeting uh, with people who were about to have their knees replaced too. At the head of the table was a nurse and a physical therapist who talked throughout the hour about what to expect when you go in the hospital, when you come out of it, when you go home and through physical therapy. Towards the end of the meeting, the physical therapist said, so how many of you play tennis? And I raised my hand, so did maybe half a dozen other people. And she said, well, how many of you plan to play tennis or at least try to after your total knee replacement? Several people raised their hand. And so she promptly said, well, for those of you who are stupid enough to go back to playing tennis, you've got to <laughs> only play doubles and add two phrases. One is nice serve. The other is that's yours. So the, the moral of the story is don't go it alone and add some new phrases to your vocabulary. Interesting. You know, the more I listen to you, the more I understand that corporate communications is an inside out job and you need to be grounded in your core values and you need to have the skills for the interpersonal and the organizational systemic um, facilitation. So uh, so true, Yvette, so true and well said. You know, as, as I was listening to you say exactly that, it, it occurs to me that when the planning process is done thoroughly and done with the, the right people involved, the success of it is going to take care of itself because the process will help reveal exactly everything that you're, you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I believe that. <laughs> we believe it because we've seen it. Yeah. One last question. What advice would you leave with our listeners? What's the best advice for them when it comes to improving corporate communications within their families, corporations? You know, it could be anywhere, really. It's not just about corporate. It's, it's about communicating. And here's my, my first thought. And do basically in one form or another a situation and analysis. Pause and reflect on where, what's going well, what's not going well. Like the company that I referred to earlier, they hadn't gotten together and did, they didn't really even, uh, hadn't for years, paused and thought about what's our situation, what's going well, you know, is, whether it's a SWOT analysis or something even more, more casual. Mm -hmm. It's harder, it's more, it's more difficult for people to meet in groups and take time to do something like this, or we're all so very for, forward thinking uh, and don't often enough hit the pause button and ask a lot of questions. In effect, planning is, is nothing more than asking the right questions and getting, getting fact-based, insightful answers so that solid decisions can be made and action plans can be put into place. I know of a lot of my clients and both personal and business friends, these are challenging times. It, it's not easy, but one of the best things that they, I see them do or help them do 
on a regular basis is to, even if it's just an hour a week, take time to assess what could be going better and why. Oh, exactly. We all are challenged with the same, same things. I, I live it, but it makes a difference to do it. Yeah. Rick, I would love to thank you for really an insightful interview. Your ideas will certainly help our audience to create healthy cultures and communication strategies. Please tell our audience how or where they can connect with you online so that they can, you know, if they have any questions or they want to learn more, where can they find you? Oh, thank you very much, Yvette. This has been a, a joy, and I must admit, I'm, I'm energized. We're doing this uh, the first part of the day, and I know my, my energy from this alone is going to be uh, riding high for the rest of the day. Thank you so much. You're, you're such a pleasure. Okay. My website is rickcram.com, and uh, that's where people can go to learn more about uh, me and, and my thoughts on everything from uh, communications, planning to be your best, decision-making, brainstorming, even how to navigate what it means to uh, live with uh, physical pain, chronic physical pain, even with a smile. This has been Yvette Bethel and Rick Cram, and we thank you for taking the time to join us on Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures.